for leading us so well into his presence. Amen. Let me open up with a word of prayer. Daddy, thank you that we get to assemble in your name, in your house, for your glory, for your sake. And we thank you, Lord, that as we pray and as we sang, Jesus be the center of this church. We know, Lord, that's what pleases you because you only hang out where your son is glorified and he can only be glorified when the Holy Spirit shines the light on him through us. We decrease so that Jesus might increase. And Father, as we assemble today, we all come from different places, different spaces, but your word tells us we go through things that's common to man. Um, Lord, some of us are hurting this morning. Some of us are in a place where we need a word from you. And so, God, I pray that you would speak through me, speak in spite of me, because it's your word that will not return void. My sermons, my words, they definitely fall to the ground. But your word, Lord, is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces down between soul and spirit, and it judges the intentions of the heart. So speak, Lord, through your word. Holy Spirit, may this be a powerful moment for all of us, starting first and foremost with me. I need a word today, and I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're here with us uh, for the first Sunday, last Sunday, we started a new series entitled Unpacking Psalm 88. Unpacking Psalm 88. And the subtitle is A Real God for Real People with Real Issues. Uh, is there anybody out here that's got some real issues? Uh -huh. Just because one is saved does not mean that one does not have issues. And that's why we still need God. Because he's a real God for real people who can be real with him. Real recognizes real. And so as we began to introduce Psalm 88 last week, we talked about how the author of the psalm was a man named Heman. And Heman was an appointed worship leader, singer, and musician. He played the cymbals, the percussions. He was appointed by King David. And he was instrumental as the nation worshipped God as the Ark of the Covenant was coming into Jerusalem. Y'all remember that big praise party? Well, this man, Heman, was instrumental in putting that celebration together. And we see that as that was a mountaintop moment for him as a praise and worship leader, Psalm 88 reveals to us a valley low, a valley experience, because life is full of mountains and valleys. It's not all mountains. It's not all valleys. But that's the way life is. And the God of the mountaintop is also the God of the valley. And so Haman writes Psalm 88 because he felt like, he felt like, he felt like God had turned against him. He felt like God was not on his side, but against him. And so he began to share his emotions because for him, this was the darkest hour of his life. And so as a believer, we go through moments where it's great. I mean, the sun is shining, but then we go through moments where it's dark around us and sometimes even dark within us. And this is where Haman was. And, and if you don't want to keep it real in your faith you don't want to come listen to these sermons. If you want to have that kind of pristine Christianity that puts a nice bow on everything and a three-point sermon and a poem, this is not the place or the time for you. We're going to get in the nasty here and now. We're we, we, we going to get into the grit of things. Um, one of the reasons people like Charles Barkley as a commentator is that he says things that other people want to say but don't have the courage to say. He says what you're thinking. And I'm going to say what you're thinking. I'm going to say the stuff that most pastors don't talk about, but I'm not most pastors. And so to cope, my man Haman, because of all this pain in his soul, he wrote his feelings out to a song that he sang to a sad melody. He had to get that stuff out, that pain, that hurt, that turmoil, that angst. He had to get it out because if he didn't get it out, he would have imploded 
And when we have intense emotional pain and disappointment, even with God, we have to get that pain out in a healthy manner. We have to write it out like he did. He, he wrote Psalm 88 for us. He wrote it out under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He wrote it out. And some of us have to journal our feelings. We, we have to write it out. We have to write poetry. We got to write it out. We got to get it out some way. We've got to write songs. We got to write sermons. We've got to preach through our pain. We got to preach it out. We've got to talk it out. And sometimes we need to go see a counselor. Yes, the Lord is the wonderful counselor. But he also gives men and women the gift of counseling to help us through what we're going through. So some of us not only need to stop by the wonderful counselor or pastoral counseling, some of us need to go and get professional therapeutic counseling. But you know, back in the day, counseling was seen as taboo for Christian folks. All you need is God. Yeah, but God gives us people. And people are here to also help us. Now, we're not going to be codependent on people. We're not going to be more dependent on people than we are on God. But God built us to be able to work some things out in the context of community. And he's given some people. When you find a good counselor, they are worth their weight in gold. Because they can help you process things. It's a safe place for you to get some stuff out and they not judge you. And then they come along and give you some tools to help you cope the next time the triggers come. The next time the thoughts come. And so sometimes you got to talk it out. Find a counselor. Sometimes you got to exercise it out. You got all kind of stuff going on, man. Go running. Go work out. Go do something. Sometimes you got to paint it out. If you're an artist, you got to cry it out. And of course, as believers, we got to pray it out. You know, in the early church, at least in the African-American experience, when we couldn't go to counselors because there weren't counselors in our community or we couldn't afford it, we had to go to the altar truly and cry it out and pray it out. And in some cases, then we had to dance it out. We couldn't keep it in. Because it's not healthy to keep all that pain in. Because if you don't get it out in a healthy way, What's going to happen is you're going to take it out on somebody that ain't had nothing to do with it. You, you're going to take it out. You, you're going to scream it out at folk, yelling at your kids over stuff that your man did or your woman did or the, the, what the boss did. And you taking it out and screaming it out on people who had nothing to do with it. And then some of us like to fight it out. We just fight. We like Sealy and Color Purple. We just mad. We just fight. I had to fight all my life. You fighting, walking around with a balled up fist all the time. You just mad, got to fight. You like to argue stuff out. You just destroy things and oh, you got to get it out in a healthy way. Our emotions are real, but they shouldn't rule us. Mm -hmm. We talked about that last week. I won't go too much into that. Our feelings have a place and it should be second place. Our theology must inform our emotions. Our theology must inform our emotions. So when we see today that this man felt that God had turned against him, he felt that way, but was that true? No, it's not true. We will feel like God is against us, but Romans 8 says that if God is for us, who can be against us? We will feel like he's against us. But he's the God who will never leave us nor forsake us, even though we may feel alone. So truth has to inform my feelings and my emotions, my intellect and my will. Otherwise, I will be all over the place, unstable, blown around by every wind of doctrine and opinion and problem and issue. God's truth must govern, stabilize, and direct our feelings. We don't deny our feelings as Christians. No, we were made in the image of God. God has feelings and emotions. We're made in his image. But we must also realize that because we're fallen people, our emotions cannot always be trusted. But God and his word can always be trusted. And when I see men and women in scripture struggling with their emotions, it lets me know that I'm not alone. Yes, I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm saved by faith. Yes, I am. But man, I struggle with my emotions because I still live in a world that deals with the five senses. And so it affects my feelings and my emotions. God knows all of that. 
which is why in Psalm 88, verse 3, Haman said, my soul is full of troubles. My soul, the innermost part of me, my emotions, my intellect, my will, it's full of troubles. And last week we saw that the word troubles can also be translated in Hebrew to mean evil. There's darkness in my soul. I'm full of troubles. Why? Because the things I want to do, I don't do. The stuff I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. That's a Christian who will say with Paul, wretched, oh, wretched man that I am. I've got this duplicity, this, this inconsistency in me. I want God, but my flesh fights and pulls in the opposite direction, and my mind plays tricks on me. The ghetto boys didn't come up with that first. People in Scripture came up with that first. Somebody will have to Google that on the way home. <laughs> My man had anguish of the soul. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Yeah, you've been there. I've been there. And in today's culture, we could say that Haman was emotionally distressed, spiritually oppressed, and psychologically repressed. Or he may have suffered from some form of mental illness, like depression. And we'll talk about that in weeks to come when you don't want to get up out of bed. You're feeling bad and you don't know why you're feeling bad and down and sad. We're going to talk about it. And then there's bipolar disorder and schizophrenia and PTSD and panic attacks. All these things happen. And just because you love Jesus, that doesn't mean that these things won't visit you. Okay? We're going to tell the truth and, and, and cast the devil out today. God knows everything about you, even the things that you're dealing with internally and mentally. He has not cast you away, and neither should the church. But I stop by also to say you don't have to suffer from a mental illness to have a soul full of trouble. Just be human. Just be human. You, you, you don't have to suffer from a mental illness to have trouble in your soul and evil and darkness and, and feel like you're fighting all the time in your soul and there's a partition that you just can't get over or beyond. Just be human. Oh, yeah, but I'm so glad we have a God who sticks closer than any brother. Psalm 88, y'all, it offers no praise. It offers no thanksgiving, and it offers no solution. So, again, that, that hurts us Western Christians who always have to have a solution and a nice happy ending on everything all the time. Sometimes God will let you walk in stuff because he's just as much in the process as he is in the destination. We want to jump to the destination of healing and deliverance and all of that, but he's just as much in the valley of the shadow of death as he is in the fields of the green pastures and the still waters. So walk with him because that's really how we get close to him. Man. So this psalm is different. It's dark. And let me say this. There's no indicator that my man is struggling because of sin in his life. You may have come from the church that every time something's wrong in your life, it's because you sin. You just need to repent and confess your sin. And listen, we're in a fallen world and fallen bodies. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not perfect. But to say that I'm in this place because of an intentional or specific sin, that's not always the case with folks. Sometimes we're in it because we're just broken and we live in a fallen body in a fallen world, ravaged by sin. But it's not because I committed a sin. Master, who sinned that this man was born blind? Neither his parents nor him. But this was done for the glory of God. You mean he can get glory out of a blind man who had been blind most of his life? Yes, he can. Because Jesus was coming by that day. He allowed him to walk in blindness for over 30 years. But on that day, the master came walking by. And before he healed him, he used him as an object lesson to say, stop blaming people when they're hurting. They already got enough going on. Stop saying they're sinning. Now, sometimes it is sin, but not every time. And you're not the Lord, so have grace when you talk to people. Oh, Lord! That felt good when I said that. Haman was struggling just like us. It wasn't because of sin. He was just hurting, and he didn't know why. And we said last week, when Christians struggle with God, we will either fall away from him or find a way in him. He didn't fall away. He found a way. 
And the proof that Haman found a way in the Lord in spite of all of his trouble and his trials that he voices in this psalm is that he kept on praying to God. I'm going to show you today how he kept on praying and crying out to God. So here's the pointed message in case you turn me off. No matter what you're going through, don't stop praying. Prayer speaks to the fact that a lingering hope is still alive. But the day you stop praying is the day you've lost hope. But keep praying. Keep, do not stop praying. The day you stop praying is the day the devil wins. Haman prayed even when he felt like God wasn't listening to him. He kept praying. I'll give you the proof. Look at verse 13 and 14. We're going to dissect some of this today. Verse 13, he says, but to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? You see that? I'm praying, but it seems like God has just cast me to the side. It feels like God has hidden his face from me. I can't get through to him. My antenna is up, but I'm not picking up the frequency of heaven. I can't get through. I feel like God has put me to the side. So let me talk today on the subject of when God doesn't listen to you. This is for the real folk. When you feel like God isn't listening, you've been praying about this thing. But he hasn't come through. It seems like, where are you? Why'd you let this happen to me, especially now? Where are you? I know you're in the neighborhood because you're blessing my neighbor. What about me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Haman felt like God wasn't listening, but he kept on praying. And therefore, this man teaches us how to pray. The first thing I want you to see is that Haman prayed properly. Let's learn from this broken brother today. Verse 1 of Psalm 88, he says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Then in verse 13, which we just read, he says, but to you I have cried out, O Lord. So Haman is praying properly. What do I mean by that? He's praying to the Lord. He says that the Lord is the God of his salvation. He is not praying to the universe. He's not praying to a tree. He's not praying to an individual or to an idol like Baal. He is praying to the Lord God. Why is that important? Because the Lord there in verse 1 and we see in verse 13 is all capitals. L-O-R-D, all caps. And this is the English translator's way of letting us know that that is the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. Which is transliterated into the English in many translations as Yehovah or Jehovah. Yahweh, all caps, L-O-R-D. What's the point? This is the God who revealed himself to Moses as the God of the covenant, the God who keeps his covenant promises with his people. When he said to Moses, I am that I am, meaning that I am the God who always is in the present tense. I will be what I will be. So Yahweh, many folks look at it and say, it is a derivative of the verb to be. I am that I am, meaning that God is always present with us. He's always here in the present tense. So he is a self-existing God. He doesn't eat coffee in the morning. He doesn't need an alarm clock to get up. He always is, which is why he is the God who was, is, and shall be. He's God. He's the Lord, and he's made a covenant with his people. I am that I am, which is why I have problems when people talk about, I'm sending out prayers to you, my brother. Listen to that now. It's subtle. Rather than saying I'm talking to the Lord, they'll say I'm sending out prayers to you. To me, no, send up prayers for me. See, it's subtle. It's subtle. It's subtle today. When people talk about you just got to walk in your truth. Well, your truth may be a lie. So you got to watch this stuff now. You got to watch this stuff. It's subtle. Man, I'm sending prayers to you, my dog. Don't send no prayers to me. I can't answer that prayer. You better talk to God. So in the midst of all he was going to, he knew who to talk to. And he talked to the Lord. And then he says, he's God of my salvation. 
Because God is so big, one name can't describe him, okay? So he has multiple names, and he has uh, uh, um, pieces to the names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sitkanu. So he, he's just so large. I mean, he's just like that. But he's also got the name God, G-O-D, which is Elohim, which means God, the mighty one, God, the creator, the one who spoke something into existence out of nothing. Let there be, and there was. Ex nihilo is what theologians call it. He speaks something out of nothing. And if he can do that with a universe, can he do that with your life? I need something right now. He can speak it into existence for you. And so this man says, I'm struggling, but I know who to go to. And he says, he's the God of my salvation, which means I'm struggling, but I'm still saved. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Y'all didn't hear that. I, I'm struggling. Read the psalm, but I'm going to let y'all know up top, verse 1, he's the God of my salvation, but I'm still struggling. You have permission today, say folk, to struggle. To struggle. We don't stay in the struggle we don't live there. We don't identify with it as that is our personality. This is who I am. I struggle. No, no, we get in there, but we don't stay there because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. So we may get down, but we don't have to stay down because God is with us and in us. But we get down, and it's okay to say, I'm struggling today. Truth is, we struggle every day, which is why we need mercies every morning to help with the mess every day. It's okay to say, I'm struggling. Because God only gives power to the weak. But the proud, he knows from afar off. And there are a lot of Christians that don't know nothing about Holy Ghost power because you're walking in your own power all the time. Paul says, man, I rejoice in the fact that I'm weak because when I'm weak, Christ will rest on me and make me strong. It's okay to say, I'm hurting God. I'm struggling today, God. I need your help today, God. Because you're my Savior. You just aren't interested in getting my soul to heaven. But you care about my soul in the nasty here and now till I get to heaven. Help me, God. And he is the God who will help you. So my man said, uh, he's the God of my salvation. So Haman, was this God hearing your prayers even though you felt like he had hidden his face from you? Yes, he was hearing my prayers. Because our theology must inform our emotions. What does the Bible say? We have more revelation than Haman. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, when we pray, we have confidence in knowing that when we pray according to his will, he hears us. How do you pray according to God's will? Pray according to God's word. Don't be asking him for stuff. <laughs> anyway, pray according to his word, and you'll be praying according to his will, and he hears you. Not only does he hear our prayers, this Jehovah, this Elohim, but he, guess what? He smells our prayers. So I just want to encourage you, don't give up on prayer. Prayer is so much more than just saying, Lord, I need some help. He hears you, but he smells your prayers. Psalm 141 verse 2 says, may my prayers come before you like incense. So our prayers, our moans, our groans, they smell good to God because God loves it when we need him. And then the Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, that not only does he smell those prayers like incense, he stores them in golden bowls. Oh, y'all ain't ready for that. So he takes your prayers, your tears, your cries. He hears them, he smells them, and then he puts them in a golden bowl, which means they're precious to him. The one who you think doesn't hear you, he's storing your prayers for the right time. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. I want it right now. Wait upon the Lord and be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. The blessing is coming because he's the God who answers your prayers. Call unto me and I will answer you. So don't give up in prayer. And this man prayed properly, but he also prayed diligently. The Bible says in Psalm 88 verse 9, Haman prayed daily. Psalm 88 verse 13, he prayed early. Psalm 88 verse 1, he prayed nightly. So he prayed every day, he prayed at night, and he prayed in the morning. In other words, whatever he was going through, he had no one else to turn to but God. And God never said, I'm busy right now and I can't hear you. 
I'm talking to somebody else on the other side of the world. No, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time, and he's omnipotent. He has all power. The line is never busy with God, but are we picking up the phone to call him? We're calling everybody else but him. So he would get up in the morning talking to God. Before he went to bed, that thing was on his mind. He talked to God. Throughout the day, he talked to God. He prayed diligently. And in Luke 18, Jesus gives a parable encouraging his disciples that men should always pray and not lose heart, not give up, keep praying. And he tells a story in Luke 18 of a woman, a widow, who needed justice. And she went before an unjust judge who didn't fear God and didn't care for man. But Jesus said in this parable, this woman kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And the Bible says because of her continual coming, she got on the judge's nerves. And the judge gave her what she was requesting in terms of justice. And Jesus says, listen to this parable now. God is not the unjust judge. He is a just judge, but he wants the process. He wants you to keep seeking after him. Keep knocking, and the door will be open. Keep asking, and it will be given. Just don't ask one time. Keep on why? Because God is into the relationship and the fellowship. You know, because if we could get it as soon as we asked for it, we wouldn't get close to him. And some of us only pray when we go through stuff, which is why it's a good thing. To keep on praying. But not only that, I love this. Haman prayed loudly. He says, oh, Lord God of my salvation, in verse 1, I have cried out day and night before you. He says it again in verse 13, but to you I have cried out. If you haven't cried out yet, it ain't that bad. I know, I know. Some people say it don't take all of that. Yeah, you ain't got to be crying out, acting undignified. <laughs> Again, you're still prideful. You, 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 you're not broken yet because to cry out means to lift up your voice. Yeah, the Bible says be still and know that he's God. But the Bible also says shout unto the Lord, all ye lands. It's okay to shout every now and then. That ain't no denominational thing. That ain't no race thing. That's a Bible thing. Shout! Oh, man, they're going to think you're crazy. Guess what? They already think you're crazy now. <laughs> Shout. It means to scream, to yell. I had a lady tell me one time because I was, you know, loud and stuff in my prayer, and she said, you know, uh, God is not hard of hearing, you know. <laughs> I wasn't as sanctified then as I am now, and I turned and said to the sister, hey, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to him. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to cry out because sometimes it take all that. Sometimes I, I will go on a walk because I know what I'm about to say to God is about to be loud. And so I'll leave my house. When people in the house, I love it when ain't nobody home. I can just walk around the house screaming and yelling and crying out. But, but sometimes I'll take a walk. But I realize I need to put my headphones in when I'm walking so people at least think I'm talking to somebody. Because when I don't have my headphones, I'm walking, Lord, help me, Lord, help They're like, who is that brother talking to? Again, I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to him. But I will put the earbuds in so I don't look that crazy. But sometimes you just got to go to a field and yell. That's when it's hitting you, man. Lord, I need you to come through. I'm crying out. Why? Because in Luke 18, 38, a blind man cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He heard Jesus was passing by. That was his hope. And he started crying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And guess what? The ushers came and said, be quiet. It, it, it don't take all. Be quiet. You're, you're acting undignified. The master has come. That dude didn't let them ushers put water on his fire. He got louder, Jesus! <laughs> and guess what? Jesus stopped. <laughs> and Jesus ministered to him and gave him his sight. In Matthew 15, 22, a Canaanite woman cried out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. And Jesus says, Great is your faith, woman. In Matthew 14, 30, while sinking into the sea, because Brad tried to walk on the water, he was good. 
Philly started looking at everything but Jesus. Homeboy started sinking, and the Bible says Peter cried out. He didn't just say, uh, Lord, can you help me? Uh, you know, I want to be real proper with my prayer. No, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, Jesus wasn't hard of hearing, but he was in a hard place, Peter was. Lord, help me. And Jesus extended his hand and lifted him up. I'm just trying to say to you, it's okay to cry out. It's okay to get loud because Jesus himself cried out. Mark 15, 37, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. So for those of you who just, it's just never proper to be okay. I'm giving you biblical uh, permission. God is giving you biblical permission. Man, sometimes you just got to cry. Let it out. Stop holding that in. You are spiritually constipated. You stuck up. Let it out. And tell God how you feel. Cry out to him. Because the more you cry out to God, the less you're going to cry out to other people. Don't come crying to me if you ain't cried to God yet. But again, we want to talk to people. Talk to God. Oh, I got to move on. Haman prayed demonstrably. Not only did he pray loudly, he prayed demonstrably because in verse 9, he says, uh, my eye wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Can I preach this the way I want it? He preached, he prayed demonstrably, stretched out hands. It's not just about worship and giving God glory. But stretched out hands speak of neediness. I need you now. I need help, God. Which means that this posture is a humble posture. Because how many of us, especially Americans, especially men, especially folk with money, it's hard for the rich. Do we want to lift our hands? Because we got it all on together. We, we got it all under control. But, but Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, he says, I want men everywhere to pray with their arms lifted to God in heaven. But there'll be some God, no, you'll never catch me lifting my hands to God. Well, you're just not needy and humble enough yet. And it's not just about worship. It's about prayer. And since I'm talking to the brothers, you ain't got no problem lifting your hands at a football game. No problem. And not just when they win and you go, yay! That'll make a bad play. <laughs> you're just not sitting still. You're at the game. You all, you're moving everything. But when you come to church, you're sitting on your hands. You don't want to sing. No, 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 no. We need some warriors up in here. We need some of them dudes from 300. When I say, men of strong tower, you got to go, Ugh, come on now. We, we, we got to step the game up. Because if we can be broken and dependent upon God in front of our children, we're teaching our children who to go to when they're hurting. We're teaching our children how to pray. Oh, there was something on the internet. Some little boy, man, had been in kindergarten. He was praying like an old deacon from St. Ebenezer Missionary Third Baptist Church down the road. I mean, he was praying. Who'd he learn that from? He had been watching his daddy at home. My God. And so this man is praying demonstrably. I used to go to rap concerts, and especially back in the day, they say, everybody now throw your hands in the air, and they throw their hands in the air. We come to church, worship leaders say, lift your hands. I ain't lifting my hands. You don't need them. You got you. Okay, keep, but keep living, though. And there are other forms of demonstrative prayer. You can fall on your knees. You can fall on your face. You can turn your face to the wall. You can rip your clothes. You can put ashes. You can fast. Because what the body is doing is just an indicator of what the soul is crying out to do. The body is just responding to the soul. And so the soul is being demonstrable and the body should follow. And by the way, God knows the difference between a cry for help and a whine for help. Because I've been lifting my hands, God. Where you at? I've been lifting my hands. Uh, where you at? And God is like, I'm here. But I ain't going to pick you up. Every time you lift your hands up. Because if I do that, I'm going to spoil you. And God don't spoil any of his kids. You might spoil your kids. You got these kids walking around five years old still in a diaper. They don't even cry no more. They just come to you and you pick them up. You ain't helping that kid. That kid is spoiled. 
and God see us down here, God like, no, nah, I'm not picking you up. But watch this. As a parent, you know a whine from a real emergency cry. You, you, when, when they cut a finger, bust their head to the white meat, fall down the stairs, <laughs> that's a different cry, ain't it? <laughs> you could be sitting there watching the Titans, and then you hear, <laughs> ah! and you're going to get up for that. But you just roll up in here, I'm watching the Titans, and you want something. No, nah, you better go somewhere with that. You're spoiled. <laughs> we can't fake God. Lord, I've been lifting my hands. He's been looking at your heart. What's your heart? Oh, finally, my man prayed desperately. He prayed desperately. Sean Tower, this blew me away when I saw this. He, he prayed desperately. Look at verse 1. Oh, Lord, God of my salvation, I've cried out day and night before you. And then look at verse 13. But to you I have cried out, O Lord. And in the morning my prayer comes before you. Now, now, now we overlooked something. We, we, we overlooked a small thing, which is really a big thing. We, we overlooked one word. Really, we overlooked one letter. And it's the letter O. Do you see that in verse 1? O, Lord. O is a letter, a word, a yelp of prayer. When you say O, that is the soul crying. O is a cry of desperation, despair, and agony. You are desperate when you say O. I know we read right by, but don't read right by that. Stop and throw it in reverse and come back. And if you research O, in scripture, you'll see that it's usually around folks who are broken and needy and desperate. I know we say that every word of God is inspired by him, and yes, it is. But also every letter, like O. Oh, Lord, oh, my soul. Because in Psalm 61.1, hear my cry, oh, God, attend to my prayer. Psalm 102.1, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Psalm 84.8, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Psalm 143.9, deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Daniel 9.19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Habakkuk 1, 2, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Lamentations 3:59. oh, Lord, you have seen how I am wrong. Judge my case. Sometimes all we have is, oh. And God is saying, talk to me. Talk to me like that. Oh, Lord, I'm hurting. Oh, God. Cry out. I love it when I hear songs that have the cry of O in them, which is why, again, y'all better be happy I can't sing because I'll be singing right now. But when a song goes into an O, like victory belongs to Jesus, victory belongs to him. Oh, oh, that's the heart's cry. So when a song has that in it, that's the writer, that's a lyric. And that's why we can connect with God in worship when we're singing from our heart that way. So what do you do when you feel like God isn't listening to your prayers? You do what Haman did and you keep on praying. You pray appropriately to the right God, the only God. None beside him, none over him. You pray diligently, which means you're praying daily. You're praying loudly, you're praying demonstrably, you're praying desperately. But above all, keep on praying. Even when he doesn't make sense, even when he hurts you, keep praying. You think Jesus was feeling good on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt forsaken even though he wasn't forsaken. Talk to him. Tell him how you 
you feel. I don't like what you did. You didn't show up here. You let me down there. But be ready, though, because prayer is a two-way connection. Because when we talk to him, we also need to listen for him to talk back to us. And in some cases, he'll challenge us about our sense of entitlement. That's what happened to Jonathan Evans last week when on Monday he eulogized his mother, Lois Evans. She passed on December 30th and she was funeralized on Monday of this past week and he was chosen by the family to give the eulogy. And in his remarks, he said to God, where are you? Because he said, based on the faithfulness of this family and all the ministry that we've been doing, all the prayers that have been going up, prayers around the world, you have an opportunity to show your glory and your power to heal my mother of this rare form of cancer. But God chose not to, quote unquote, heal her based on his prayers. And he talked to God about his feelings and he let God know how he felt. And then he said, God answered and said, you don't understand the nature of my victory. Just because I didn't answer your prayers your way doesn't mean I haven't answered them anyway. Victory was already given to your mother when my son gave her eternal life through the cross. There were always two answers to your prayer. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. <laughs> Either she was going to live <laughs> or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to go and be with family. So the answer to your prayer is yes and yes. Can you accept that? And of course, my brother humbled himself and repented before the Lord. Keep praying, y'all. He's listening. He smells your prayers. He's putting them in golden bowls. He's going to answer his way, his time. But use the time to get closer. Can you stand to your feet right now? Before we leave, there may be someone who, as Tyrus comes, is Tyrus still in the house? There may be someone who says, um, Pastor, I need prayer. If there's anyone who would like to just come and pray, about anything. Come on now, this is a house of prayer. Don't, don't leave here without giving it to God again, okay? The altar is open. Come on and come pray. And after we've had a moment of prayer together, I'm going to close in prayer. But that thing, that hurt, that pain, don't hold on to it. Come on. This is a great time to move because God operates in silence. So come on. Come on. Come on. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Come on, come on. Do, do that thing the devil don't want you to do. Because he knows if you pray, you're going to get closer to God. Something's hurting. It's okay. He knows about it. Come on, give it to him. Because victory belongs to Jesus. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. He's not going to put more on you than he can bear. It's a testing of your faith. Hold on to him. Oh, yes. Talk to him. Tell him. Don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. give up on you though you slay me yet I'm going to trust you only you have the words of eternal life I can't go nowhere else I need a miracle I'm willing to wait on you do what no man or no woman can do Lord I need your help even where I don't believe, help my unbelief. Get the glory, God. 
doctor's report. Bills, job, housing, transportation, ministry, family, relationships. what you have need before you ask what he wants you to ask Give him everything. Tell him. Oh God. Oh God. Somebody struggling, Lord, with raising a child. Somebody struggling to have a child. Somebody is just hurting God. Thank you for being a good father. And there are times we don't understand your ways or your thoughts. Sometimes we feel like you're cruel. Sometimes, Dad, we feel like you're not listening. You're not paying attention to us. Because if you were, why are we hurting so much? How come you haven't healed this situation? How come you haven't come through? Where are you? taught us something today, Lord, to keep on praying, to keep on trusting, to keep on believing, to keep on waiting. And you're going to take care of us the way you desire to take care of us. So we submit to your sovereignty. We submit to your wisdom. We trust you. We love you. Because you first loved us. We wouldn't even know what love is without you. gave your son and you crushed him on the cross for our sins so if you didn't spare Jesus but delivered him up for us all how shall you not with him freely give us everything we need we're going to trust you because without faith it's impossible to please you so we're strengthening our grip to hold on to the one Who's holding on to us? We're not going to let go. We're not going to cuss and fuss and yell and act out. Oh God, we're going to pour out our hearts before you. Thank you, Father, that you're not only hearing every prayer, you're smelling them. It comes before you as a sweet aroma of incense and, and a worship that comes through pain. A worship that comes out of the dust a worship that comes through agony, a worship that comes when everything ain't right. You're, you're hearing these prayers go up to you. And you're storing them in golden bowls because they're precious to you. And when you come through, my goodness, it won't be any wonder who did it. Lord, one of my friends here at church today said that his mom passed last night. But he's here today with tears in his eyes and hands still up outstretched to heaven. <laughs> because there's a peace you give that the world just doesn't know anything about it. But we won't even know nothing about it if we don't go through some hard times. We sit here like, man, I'm still together. 
because you're holding us together. You're holding our world. Heal our worlds. Fix our worlds. Do miracles, Daddy. We're going to wait on you. We're not going to rush you. We're not going to curse you. And forgive us when we curse the day or curse the situation. Forgive us of that. But we're not going to curse you. We're going to bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that is within me, I'm going to bless his holy name. I'm going to bless him anyhow. And I want the Lord to say about us, wow, look at that faith. Let him marvel at your faith. Let him not be disappointed at your wine and your complaining. Oh, God, forgive us. I can't wait to hear and see what you're going to do because we gave it to you and we humbled ourselves and said, God, we need help. Can't wait to see. Oh, you're the good shepherd. You laid your life down and you lead us to still waters and green pastures. And you also take us to that table in the presence of our enemies and you lead us even, Lord God, through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you. Now unto this God who still is able because he's the I am. He, he never lost power. He has always had power. He is the personification of power. He can do everything but fail. Now unto him who's able, who's able, who's able to do, to do because he's active in our lives. He, he still shows up. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all the stuff we just got finished asking about and, 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 and telling you about. You can do more than that. You can do more than that. You can do more than that. Lord, please do more than that for your glory and the church. To him be the glory, the majesty, dominion, and the power right now, right now, right now. And forevermore, even on Monday, even on Tuesday, Wednesday, when it get hard, you get the glory. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. I know the Titans won, but Jesus won. Can you give him a hand up in here? Victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Nothing else matters. Oh. Yeah. Well, you got to hug three people before you leave. You got to hug three people before you leave. Have a blessed one.